Welcome to Practicing, an ongoing conversation about spiritual practices. My name is Jason Pfeffer, and I will be your host on this journey. I am so glad you are joining us. In this podcast, we are exploring different ways of practicing our faith. We practice our faith because, well, because we're all practicing, aren't we? Growing each day in our ability to follow Jesus and his teachings takes practice. Christian spiritual practices are not great lofty activities for really serious Christians. They are for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. Spiritual practices are simply any activity that helps us become attentive to the presence of Jesus in our everyday lives. Because in his presence, we are formed by Jesus to be like Jesus for the sake of the world. In this first season, we are exploring the basics of spiritual practices. What are they? Why are they important? What do they do? And where do they come from? We want to demystify spiritual practices so that we can clearly see how they may help us follow Jesus. Coming along on this journey, we have the incredible Jenny Potter. Jenny is producing this little endeavor. We're grateful for her wisdom and for keeping us on track. You'll get to hear from her just a little bit later. And I'm also joined by the most amazing co-host, Andy Moss. Andy, I'm excited to have you along for these conversations, my friend. Jason, great to join you again. Now, Andy, I know that you've been living in the States for a little while, but how glad are you to be able to put ice in your drinks? I've still not bought into this whole ice thing. I, Andy. I'm, I like my hot drinks, but I'm not really into super cold drinks. It has to be a really hot day to need ice in a drink, as far as I'm concerned. It gives you a toothache, for instance. So, yeah, I'm not an ice kind of chap. I'll be honest with you, neither do I. I hate yeah. drinking out of a cup with ice because it all kind of falls forward. It does, face. yeah. It's, it can lead to messing. all kinds of yeah. socially embarrassing situations. Ice, yeah. drinks, dripping down your face. <laughs> not good. Nate, have you ever had any issues with uh, drinking from a cup with ice in it? I'm, I'm actually doing so as we speak. <laughs> um, and and I, 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 I've been in the UK and they give you like one cube of ice and it's, yeah. it's yeah. really, um, yeah. And then I ask for it and they look at me like I'm crazy. But... Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, it's a cultural difference for sure. Must be, must be. Uh, well, in this episode, we are asking, what do spiritual practices do? And you've just heard him now. Uh, we're joined by Nathan Foster. Nathan is the director of community life at Renovare, a ministry focused on helping people become more like Jesus through the spiritual practices of Jesus and the historical church. Nathan is the author of Wisdom Chaser and The Making of an Ordinary Saint, My Journey from Frustration to Joy with the Spiritual Disciplines. And folks, if you have been on this journey with us for the last couple of weeks, uh, and you're looking for a book to help you explore the spiritual practices a little bit more deeply, The Making of an Ordinary Saint is absolutely the best place that you could possibly start. Honestly, I could not speak more highly of this book. It is fantastic. And so if you're interested, uh, check it out. Nathan, we are so glad to have you with us. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, Nate, get us started here. What do spiritual practices do? Sure. Um, it's a good question um, and, and important to work with. Uh, but before I do, maybe the first thing I want to say is it's also a problematic question. And um, uh, with it comes a sort of, well, this is what we do. We, much of our lives are geared in terms of transactional. Uh, you know, I do this, this happens, I work a job, I get paid, I 
whatever. And, and what we want to do in the onset is uh, kind of rip that out of our mind as best we can. And it's, it's, it's really not uncommon in, in Christian life, uh, in Christian culture, to have this sort of um, transactional, I give God this, and then this happens in return. And, and it certainly um, can feed our consumer mentality. Um, so just kind of a, a little caveat in terms of the, the, potentially it's a problematic question, but what does happen, uh, quite simply, we get to be with God. And the point is to be with God in a relational, in a conversational, in a increasingly loving, learning um, way. Uh, that's what we get. And now with that, we do get more out of the practices than we put into them. And, you know, my little effort, the end result is always, is always greater. And, and with that, what seems to happen uh, is this um, great mystery of sorts that we offer to God. The only thing we have any control over, our time and attention, at that moment, we offer uh, what we have to give, however small that is, and engage in a practice. And then given time through the years, 40 years is a good, is a good picture for us to be, be thinking about with this, the fruit of the Spirit. These things begin to naturally occur, emerge in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, and, and, and so on. Um, but, but with that, I, I want to give a, a, a little bit of a health warning or disclaimer that it's not necessarily helpful uh, fruitful or even realistic to kind of think, give too much thought to our own spiritual growth. Uh, usually we're the last ones to, to notice and, um, you know, others will, will, will see those things in, me, in us and we kind of can be as surprised as anyone uh, with it. So important question because it's on our mind. Why should I do this? And, and what will I get out of it? Well, you get to be with God. You get to become more human the type of person that God had in mind when God created and the Trinity created humans. So there's a few thoughts for you. I love that. And I'm thinking about that. We we're often so motivated by what we can get out of something. Right. And this question certainly feeds into that a little bit. What, you know, what do these do? What, what do we get when we do spiritual practices? And I'm struck by how, how counter it is to what we're used to that this isn't something that we necessarily get out of the practices but rather this is uh it's simply the opportunity to be with god yeah i think so uh, maybe another way to think of it in terms of what do we get um we get to die we get to die to uh, the obsessive need of having to have our own way hmm. We get to die to uh, being a slave to worry or fear, people-pleasing, achievement, escapisms, entertainment. These are good deaths, and with them come a resurrection uh, of freedom, abundant life. Um, and you, you said it so well in the, uh, in the intro, become people who are able to do what Jesus taught and do so in a natural way. Because over many Christians, this, you know, we want to be good people and we want to be loving people. We want to do the right thing. And, and, and so we go about it the, the way we go about everything uh, or most things, we kind of brute force or kind of grit our teeth and just suck it up and do it. And spiritual life is almost exactly opposite, that these are 
natural things that occur in, the, in offering what we have to give in this moment through a practice uh, that may be delightful, may be boring, may be painful, um, but in that, a sort of kind of freedom and, and, and joy can emerge in a natural uh, way. And I'm struck by this idea as well that we don't, we don't often talk about the invitation to die. That's not a very popular invitation these days. And, and I wonder if that's why we don't, we don't really engage spiritual practices very much in church because it's not a very popular invitation. <laughs> I've often thought, I mean, you know, Jesus, come die, take up your cross. <laughs> I, I've often thought that would make a really interesting, um, you know, track of sorts. Um, would you like to be a Christian? Um, you know, come die. And, uh, <laughs> but those of us who, who are uh, aware enough of ourselves and our, um, motivations and you know stuff inside of us uh, this is a good thing to die and we make ourselves miserable we become miserable by self-obsessed life chasing achievements or entertainment and such um, so these are good deaths uh, painful sometimes but um that's okay we, we can suffer uh, at, at times but other things are great ecstasy you know that come from spiritual practices. I, I think about them and I love that you're trying to demystify. They're very, very ordinary, very earthy. And, and you're right, many of them are already doing. We just don't necessarily have language for them. I can't help but think as you're talking, Nate, that, that there are some people who are listening to what we're saying right now and we're not exactly selling the spiritual practices very well here, are we? Not that that's what we're trying to do in this podcast, but but I imagine that there are some people sitting back going, this, this doesn't sound like a, this doesn't sound like the kind of journey that I want to go on. What would you say to people who are thinking that? I'm not too hung up on it. You know, I guess it doesn't bother me in a sense. God meets you where you're at. And there may come a time where you get your teeth kicked in enough or usually suffering is, is, is mm -hmm. what brings us to those places. And if you're really comfortable in your life and everything's going great and you, find yourself having no needs, then fair enough. I'm not going to try and sell you anything. But if you'd like to go deeper, if you've um, ran into the meaninglessness, the emptiness of a self-obsessed life or of, uh, you know, when, when the glittery things in life run their course and you've got the car and the boat and the kids and the spouse and you find yourself going, really? Is that it? Is this all there is? Ah, then, then, then here's an invitation hmm. uh, to come uh, yoke yourself to Jesus, to come learn from the master teacher and discover what, what it really means to be human. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not one to try and sell the, the Christian life per se, um, but when people are ready and, and when the hunger is there, come, let's do it together. That's the beauty of the word invitation, isn't it? That it's mm -hmm. an invitation from Jesus mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than a something that we're selling or compelling people to join, but the invitation is there for you when, when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. I mean, others might different, you know, others might really want to push with these things, but um, yeah, I, I don't get too worked up about that. Nathan, would you, would you say that that is what, I suppose the question I'm wondering is what inspires you to, to persevere with spiritual practices because it, it sounds like they take 
um, commitment and perseverance. And I think you said maybe even that you might not see the, the fruit of it immediately. And it certainly isn't about accomplishing goals. So where, where do you find, where do you find it in your kind of, in your journey, where have you found the inspiration to, to persevere and persist? That's a really good question. Knee-jerk response is, I, I, what else should we do? Like, what else matters, in a sense? And, and I'll take a very broad view of practices. There's just something so right about living life, our life, our circumstances, with God. And, and I think what might be helpful uh, in this, Andy, is a distinction between um, what are kind of intentional practices and what are everyday life practices. That they're, for many people, when they're beginning to work with practices, that they'll um, um, set out set up maybe a goal, maybe you have others who know about this thing you're working on, and then kind of muster up as much as you can to commit to that and, and show up for that. Um, but given enough time, these things become ingrained. They become habitual, um, and then we do them, and we're not even intending to. Uh, so maybe the simplest way to think of it is that for, for many folks listening, you, you've lived your life uh, with God in such a way that if I were to say to you, don't pray this week, you couldn't do it because it's so habitual. It's so much a part of your life that when circumstances arise, you just immediately turn to prayer. Spiritual practices work the same way, that they become so ingrained in us that um, many of them we do without even knowing, and many of them, they're just part of our routine, right? Like some people, they study, they're, they're reading pieces every day, or going to church and worshiping, or con confessing your sins. Like these things are so much a part of your life. Uh, they take on, a, you know, uh, like habits, they take on a, a life of their own of sorts. So I kind of hold a balance between them that they're um, everyday opportunities, as simple as what mentioned washing dishes, but um, washing dishes, cooking, driving kids around, you know, just really ordinary, simple things are opportunities for me to be present to God, with God in that. Uh, so there's those everyday kind of ordinary practices, some of which, Jason, you'd mentioned in my book, but that's, you know, in part kind of what I discovered with it. And then there's these bigger kind of intentional ones that different seasons in life I'll commit to, to do and, you know, move into. Sometimes those are a little more difficult to do, um, but that's okay. I, I don't get too hung up on that. Maybe, maybe, Andy, big picture is... Um, I don't know. I'm 46. Life's kind of boring. Like it's kind of empty. And um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what else to do, I guess. I'm not trying to sound super religious by any means, but um, what, what, what else matters in, in a way? That's, that's more extreme than I intend to say it. But um, maybe the question is, why not? Why not do it? Right? Like this is the life Jesus lived. This is the, um, movement to abundant life why wouldn't we you know and yeah. and uh, yeah that's really helpful and i was i was struck nathan earlier by what you said around love and about how spiritual practices it's if i'm understanding you correctly spiritual practices become an expression of love and i don't think i'd ever really thought of them in those terms because i think maybe i don't associate practice and discipline that kind of language with love and so that's that's a really helpful connection for me i think Good. Well, well, the tricky part is that um, just because we enjoy it doesn't mean that it's not 
um, interacting with God. Uh, you know, this we got to just rip out of our minds this idea that it's got to it's got to hurt. It's got to yeah. be you know boring or, or a drudgery yeah. for it to really count. And this Dallas Willard would say God is the most joyous creature in all the or the most joyous being in all the the universe. And in being with God, we get to participate in that joy and yeah. find an ease uh, at which we can go about life and interacting with others. So um, yes, when it leads to love, love of God, love of others, neighbor, love of self in a good, healthy way, we're on the right track. I mean, that's, that's ultimately where this is going. Nate, one of the criticisms of spiritual practices is that they can feel like works righteousness. What would you say to someone who suggests that they don't need spiritual practices because they are already saved by faith? Yeah, we're not earning anything with them. And, you know, this isn't, uh, this goes a little back to the kind of transactional. It's, it's not that I do this sort of thing and then, you know, God gives me a cookie or, or, or something or now God likes me and, you know, I'm earning something. Uh, we just want to knock that in the head. But it's hard because it's really ingrained in us. Um, uh, there's a tension here because um, in one sense, um, if we approach spiritual practices thinking we're earning something and we happen to uh, achieve and do quite well with, with setting our you know, goals and, and moving forward, um, we're potentially on dangerous ground. The, the Pharisees practice disciplines, uh, spiritual practices with a vigor, you know, and, and it made them worse. They, they became uh, arrogant and prideful. They, they thought they'd earned something and then uh, became, you know, when, when religion goes bad, it's one of the most toxic, destructive forces in a culture because uh, this arrogance and this judgmental, um, you know, uh, it starts leaking out of them. So um, in, in my mind, one of the big pieces with the Pharisees is they didn't know they were loved. They didn't know they were accepted, welcomed in, uh, and, and thought they were trying to earn it. Now, on the flip side, with that same sort of earning piece, works righteousness type thing, if we set out to do spiritual practices and, and don't do well with them, now, most people are too aspirational, kind of, well, I, I want to conquer the world and I'm going to you know, do this practice for this length of time, and, and then they fail, at least in their mind. Again, that's sort of missing it, that this is not, you know, 12 new things to beat yourself up about. Uh, it, it, if we enter into it with this, I get to be with God, I get to be present, it might be marvelous, it might be boring, it might be painful, it doesn't matter. I am there to be with God in this little offering, my two-minute prayer, my 30-day fasting, it makes no difference. Uh, the level of, you know, uh, it's I'm giving what I have. I'm being present before God, not earning anything. Uh, I, I get to be with God. So the, the, the piece uh, statement I like uh, that I've found helpful is that spiritual practices are best done as an active response to God's love. I'm loved, I'm accepted. I'm in, you know, I've, I've given as best I can my life to, to, to Jesus. And now I get to respond. I get to do something. I get to show up. And in, in one sense, this is a, a, a journey that is unique and can carry us through our lives. And 
potentially on into eternity? So it's a good question to be wrestling with in terms of um, works righteousness and you know what's the point to it, um, but it it it, it sort of misses uh, the invitation, the as you said, or opportunity to be with God. There's something that you said, Nate, that you talked about when we use spiritual practices as a way of earning, and I'm I'm even thinking that this goes way beyond spiritual practices. And at any point where we are trying to earn something from God, it's almost like it, it places a barrier between ourselves and God in a way that, that actually keeps us from receiving God's love, from knowing that we are God's beloved daughters and sons. And, and it's just, it, yeah, that's just interesting for me to think about the way earning places a barrier between us and God and receiving God's love. That's good. Yeah, I think it probably does. Uh, and, and when we're in an earning posture, we're not necessarily being our true selves. You know, if you mm-hmm. thinking of other relationships, I, I found really, really helpful. Um, if I'm in a relationship where I'm trying to get something from someone, then I'm not necessarily my uh, being real, being authentic. Uh, a way, helpful way for me to think about it is with uh, my spouse. And, and uh, I just want to be with her. Right. And, and it, it may be that I receive things and maybe I give things, but the point is to be together. And, if, you know, if I approach that relationship transactionally, I'm going to do the dishes and then you're going to cook me dinner, you know, whatever. You, you miss the beauty of giving of yourself and loving and being loved. So much of it with spiritual practices, I think, I think we can say, uh, Jason, is, is uh, it's about learning to love and be loved. It's wonderful. Nathan, in the, the making of an ordinary saint, you approach spiritual practices like an experiment. And if someone listening right now is sensing an invitation from God to experiment with spiritual practices, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, sure. It's interesting because there, there are a lot of helpful resources in terms of different practices you can begin with. And, and great. I think for many people, they'll find that helpful. I would want to offer um, another way, another idea, and, and that is just to simply ask, God, what might you have me work on this week, this month, this year? Um, and, and, and then just wait and just notice. See what bubbles up and, and pay attention prayerfully. And at least my experience has been that when I'm doing that um, with some intentionality, that these things start to uh, present themselves of a new practice for me. And interestingly enough, my experience has been as I go throughout a week, maybe even a month of just kind of noticing, paying attention, if there's a new practice God might be inviting me into, when it emerges, uh, I usually find a sort of subtle enthusiasm, a desire to do it, even if it's something that's going to be painful or uncomfortable. Um, I get this sort of like, adventure with God. Like, what would it be like to fast? Like, I know that's going to be difficult, but I wonder what that would be like. What would it be like to really um, uh, pay attention to my kids as an act of worship and be interruptible? Uh, What would it be like to get enough sleep? 
as a movement of, of, of uh, God designed these bodies, they need sleep. And, and so I'm caring for uh, respecting limitations as a, you know, an act of worship. But that I find myself, by the time I get to the discipline, kind of excited in, in, in a way. Um, and, and so I, I would say with it, the, you know, I mean, maybe you need prompts and maybe, you, you know, all these excellent resources or people you know who have done different practices. And, you know, maybe that's where you begin. Maybe it's taking some space to just kind of listen and, and notice and not get too worked up about it. Um, either way, I do find it helpful to have someone else in the conversation, you know, a kind of soul friend of sorts, someone who knows what, what I'm uh, going to be working on. And then the next piece, which may be one of the most important pieces, is to not be heroic with it. You start where you're at. And, and one way to think of it is, you, you know, you, you don't take a casual uh, jogger and put him in a marathon. That's just mm -hmm. stupid. You set him up to fail. But, but you can take a casual jogger and have them, you know, increase their mileage, you know, 10% that week or something like that. And, and that's a real big key. That start where you're at and, and, and be graceful with yourself. Uh, at least what I discovered in some of what I wrote about, some of the greatest lessons or things I learned were in my quote unquote failures, that these were windows for prayer. These were conversations I got to have with Jesus. You know, I, I didn't do that. Why didn't I? You know, and we just, I just learned from it and not get too worked up about it and then just keep moving forward. And I suppose with the, uh, the running analogy, the important thing is who you're running with rather than the distance you're oh, that's accumulating, good. isn't it? That's good. Ultimately, yeah. maybe you run the marathon, but it's the fact that you're running the mile with Jesus, I suppose. Yeah. Str Overstretch it, but. No, I love that because, oh, this is where it's good. If I'm obsessed with completing the marathon, if I'm obsessed with the time, right, then I, potentially missing the entire point, right? Yeah. The point is to yeah. get out there, exercise my body, set a goal, go. But yeah, totally right on track, Andy. Running with Jesus together, interacting, learning from, listening to, getting to become someone that we maybe had not even imagined we could become. Uh, that's the point. And boy, we can miss it if we get obsessed with results or achievement or trying to earn something yeah. yeah jogging with jesus there you there go, we go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good book title i know yeah <laughs> I like it. I, that has been for me i think one of the on this little adventure that i'm on here with jason i think that's been one of the greatest realizations that there isn't the pressure of accomplishing goals and or setting goals and accomplishing them it's it's a very different way of kind of living and hoping to grow i think yeah. which I'm only just getting a flavor for, but I, I very much deep down inside appreciate. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it does give the possibility for some longevity to it. That yeah. usually when we grit our teeth at something, it's just not sustainable. And I'd much rather see someone start with a small practice that they work on for a year rather than a big practice they work on for a month, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. life. And, and it's, a, it's the long, it's the long run. So, and ultimately, which I think fits some of what you're saying, um, ultimately the spiritual practices lead to joy. 
and and you know joy don't confuse it with happiness but joy this kind of um deep-seated sense of okayness a sort of rightness uh in in in, in, in inside um, that's where they go and and if they take you somewhere different if they take you to places where you're judging others or hating on yourself you might just want to pause uh, you, you, you may be um, going in a way that God is not asking you to go. I must confess, I do have uh, a question connected with Jason's um, last question. Are there any pitfalls that you experienced on your journey or any um, expectations maybe that you set for yourself that you later realized were unhelpful that you could share with folks that are maybe just setting out on this yeah, journey? Sure. Well, I think much of what I've um, been saying is informed by my own mistakes of sorts and, and particularly the piece of earning, right? And that just, you know, much of this ties back to our view of God, but, you know, if you've got the sense of a transactional God that's, you know, you give me this, I'll give you that. It was difficult for me to learn that um, as, as I can, you know, I, I can play the Pharisee as good as anyone and have years through the years. Um, the other um, pitfall, this piece of earning and, 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 and achieving and goals. So I like goal setting. I can get into some of the kind of self-help stuff. And, you know, I, I, I could really enjoy some of that. And, and what I found is a way to laugh at myself a way to kind of go, oh, there you go again, Nate. Like you're kind of missing it. And, and just being playful about that, 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 that this is relational. And, and I'll say, God, I, I had this goal. I was gonna, you know, read every day for, you know, an hour and, and here I didn't even do it. And, and they, they go, oh yeah, you didn't, Nate. What's that about? And we talk about it and, and maybe you should do five minutes this week. Okay, why don't we, why don't we try that? But, that's probably the big piece. I get in the way. And usually, oftentimes, it's born out of a kind of self-hatred narrative that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy of, you know, if I'm not suffering or if I'm not, you know, gritting my teeth and working hard, then I don't, you know, deserve to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, many of us Americans, we, we have that. We kind of have a, a social system, an economic system that's um, born out of those those values are necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily helpful in the Christian life at all. And so that easy yoke, the easy burden that Jesus uh, offers us is very, very countercultural. You see this with Jesus's interactions with the disciples and the way that Jesus, you know, treated them in their failures, in their denial, but the, the kind of gentleness of coming alongside them and, and that's the invitation to be followers of Jesus, to be disciples that is extended to us you know, these 2,000 years later. feels almost, as I think through what you've been talking about this entire conversation, Nate, there's, uh, there's something incredibly ordinary, mundane, yes. simple in the spiritual practices. That, um, and there's something that feels so graceful, like, great, like full of grace in, yeah. in that as well, that I want more of that in my <laughs> yeah yeah that's good jason that's good yeah it's not for the super spiritual you know it's just you take yourself too seriously or you're trying to cut it no this is ordinary life it's 
eating, drinking, living your day, going about ordinary life and all of its challenges and struggles and, and joys. And yes, right, full of grace. So really interesting thing about grace is that it's practical and it actually works. Guilt and shame uh, may produce a result in the short term, but not in the long term. Um, grace is quite practical. It, it leads us to continue to show up and continue to place our lives before God as best we can. Nathan, thank you so much for taking time out of your, uh, your schedule and, and having this conversation with us. This was, this was amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Nathan. Very welcome. Very thank welcome. You. And th thanks for the work you guys are doing there. Oh, my goodness. Once again, I find myself thinking that I could listen to this conversation 15 times and find something new and profound every single time. It's just incredible. Friends, as you listened to this conversation with Nathan Foster, what did you notice? What did he say that seemed to stand out to you? What might the Holy Spirit be shining a light on for you today? Well, this is the part of the podcast now where Jenny jumps on the mic and we share what the three of us have noticed in this conversation. Andy, let's start today with you. What resonated for you in this conversation with Nate? That was a lot, Jason. That was, it was fantastic, as you said. I was struck uh, by Nate coming back again and again to the whole idea of our relationship with God not being transactional. It's not an earning relationship. Um, that was that was really helpful, but I, I think the point where it came to a um, to a really clear focus. He's spoken about not jogging with Jesus, and I think that that is going to stick with me. I, I really I really like that um, that picture. That the idea that we are that in the in the in the training in the in the, the practice in the discipline of going out and running around the block. Um, it's in that that we actually we meet with Jesus. Hmm. Um, I suppose going back to what we were talking about in the previous podcast, it's there that we kind of create the space to be, mm -hmm. uh, to be with Jesus. And, and again, just as we might have a running partner, it's relational, it's conversational as much as, as much as you can talk whilst you're breathing very heavily. Um, it's about just giving you the time and attention that we can control, um, to that activity. Um, and just experiencing, I think Nate maybe said something along the lines of it, kind of experiencing life on the road with, with Jesus. It's not um, waiting for the marathon when it comes along and that's where, you know, the magic is going to happen. That's where I'm going to meet with Jesus. That's when the change is going to take place. That's where I'm going to accomplish whatever it is I want to accomplish. No, it's actually in the daily jogging with Jesus that um, we experience change. So... And just, again, the invitation to find, find that activity, find that practice, or to ask God to, to point us to that practice that is going to be our jogging with Jesus. What stood out for you in the conversation, Jenny? Yeah, it was so rich. And I kept coming back to the, we get to be more human by doing spiritual practices. And that to be human is to experience death and transformation. Mm -hmm. And I just... <laughs> Uh, it stood out to me because I really hated it. <laughs> like, I don't, 
I mean, I know that that's, I know that that is true and that that is what we as Christ followers are called to do. But yeah, just the, the implications of that, just how much we avoid death and avoid pain. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times is my hang up when it comes to some of the, some of the preconceptions I have about spiritual practices is that it is going to be really hard and really arduous. But I think you know, as I was reflecting on it, you just think about when things die, then they can be, this is so obvious, but then they can Mm -hmm. be reborn and be made into something maybe even better. And so, I mean, I just wrote down this, when he said, you know, die to people pleasing, that was one that I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Like, I didn't even think that that is something that, that that would be on his like very short list of things that we need to die to, because that's something that I resonate with a lot. Um, But that it could be dying to these things that aren't good about us so that we can be made better. You know, that it isn't dying to the things about us that maybe, um, we feel our core to our identity in a good way, but that it's, yeah, it's the refining. It's the, the being made more whole and being made more into Christ likeness. And so, uh, but I, yeah, I just think as a society, like anytime you talk, you bring up death, I think, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think many people are like, tell me more. (laughs) Like, let's lean into that real hard. I I think it takes a little bit of, it took a little bit of convincing for me when he was talking about that. And then now I'm like, yes, let's, now I'm on board, (laughs) obviously. Well, it's so interesting. You're right. We, when someone mentions death, we, we run the other way. And yet we are all so familiar with pain and brokenness in our everyday lives, but how much of our life is defined by running away from pain, from uh, how much of our lives are defined by medicating and pushing it down as opposed to facing it and and accepting that, that even those good things about us are, are, are something that we could end up holding on more tightly than we ought. And we still, and we need to die to those. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, that, I love what Nate said that when that that following death in Christ, resurrection follows death. And whether that's surrender and death, and then getting back perhaps what we've surrendered in a new way, or receiving something completely different that we don't even expect. But if we really trust God, if we really believe that God is good and God loves us, isn't God going to give us what's best for us? What's most important for us? I think yeah. I wonder if that's where we start getting that sense of what abundant life is, because I think Christians mm. talk quite a lot about abundant life, but it's very, it's vague and it can, it can also lead down some pretty unhealthy roots, mm. I think. But when you start thinking about abundant life in that sense, um, all of a sudden it becomes far more, seems far more of a reality or far more possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I keep coming back to the, the statement that Nate said, the spiritual practices are best done as an active response to God's love. And then he pointed out that as we practice, we learn to love and to be loved. And I just feel like, isn't, I mean, isn't that the point of life? I mean, Jesus said it, right? Like what's, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
this idea of learning to love and be loved. I have a couple of friends who lead silent retreats, Joan Kelly and Gail Donahue. You guys probably know them. And every time on every silent retreat that they lead, they, they say this. They say, we don't know what will happen when you go into silence and solitude, but we know two things. God will be present with you, and in some way, God will tell you or show you that you are loved. And I, I think that might just be true about all spiritual practices, that every time we engage a spiritual practice, there are two things. We don't know what might happen, but there are two things that we can know for sure. One is that God will be with you, and in some way, God will show you or tell you just how incredibly loved you are. That really stood out to me as I keep thinking about love as the motivator, but also the means and the end. It's just, it's everywhere. It's everything in this journey is steeped in love. Beautifully put, Jason. Thanks, Andy. Well, friends, at the end of every podcast, we want to leave you with an invitation. I'm sure we have been learning and will continue to learn a lot together over the course of the season, but we hope these conversations will take us far deeper than uh, simply rational knowledge. What if this time together led us all to a deeper experience with Jesus in our everyday lives? What if we were to grow in relationship with him through this time? so that we might be formed by Jesus to be like Jesus for the sake of the world. This week, I thought we might respond to Nathan's suggestion to simply ask God, what should I be working on this month? Maybe God has a particular practice for you to work on. Perhaps the Lord is inviting you to dive deeper into a practice of scripture or prayer or spiritual community. Or maybe God is inviting you to respond to those around you differently. Maybe God is inviting you to serve or do more listening than talking. Or perhaps you hear a gentle invitation to be less judgmental or adjust the way you speak about people. And so if you're willing, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, would you join me in asking this of God now? Let's begin by turning our attention to Jesus. You might take a deep breath and remember that Psalm 139 says, there is nowhere we can go to escape God's loving presence. Would you take a moment now and ask God that question? Lord, what should I be working on this month? What are you hearing from God? what comes to mind for you.
Friends, this is probably just the start of the conversation. Whether you have a very clear direction from the Lord right now or not, would you continue to listen and mull over this question? Think about it through the day. Be open to what God might reveal to you. And then let's take Nathan's following advice. Would you include someone else in your journey? Would you share what you are hearing with a trusted spiritual friend? And then finally, as you set out to respond to this invitation from God, don't be a hero. Be realistic. Keep your practice simple, but commit to practicing it faithfully. God, we want to love you more. We want to receive your love more completely in our lives. And I think that's a good desire, one that you have gifted to us. Lead us in our practice. Draw us more closely to you so that we might know the fullness of your love and so that we might love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining us. If this has been helpful, would you be willing to take a moment to subscribe, rate, or review this podcast? This helps more people to find it, and we pray to be invited into a deeper experience of Jesus in their lives. You might also consider sharing this podcast with someone in your life who you think would be blessed by it. And then finally, I hope you'll join us next week. We'll be joined by Chris Hall. Chris is a former professor and author. His scholarship has a distinct focus on uh, the early church and the church fathers. Chris will help us to explore the origins of spiritual practices. I hope you'll join us. May the peace of Christ be with you this week.